Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. When we, we checked out the heavenly scene and before this group shows up, so what we've noticed throughout the book of Revelation is throughout time, the gospel has been going out. It hasn't gone out to everyone just yet. So we under, so as far as we understand, but the gospel has been doing a work in all types of people throughout all history, all history. The end times might not have been taught as much as other parts of scripture. We hear many messages about the things that are going to happen leading up to the end times, but not really that much concentrating on the very end of the age. We know that it's God's desire that the whole world hear the gospel so that none will be lost. And many people from all different walks of life have been presented the gospel. In his message today, Pastor James explains how the gospel has been doing a work in all people throughout all of history. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 7 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Revelation 7, this is a, this is a fascinating chapter. Um, so Revelation 1 is where John, the Apostle John, has this encounter with Jesus, and he sees Jesus, and then get, he gets invited up into the heavenly realm, so to speak, into the throne room uh, for Revelation 2 and 3, and he gets to see what's happening with the churches. And then uh, basically after Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and kind of 4, after 6 for sure, the church is not mentioned anymore, okay? That kind of helps us out with, with going through this next part of Scripture with chapter 7 because um, I can say this, I think pretty dogmatically, the 144,000 that we're going to talk about is not the church, okay? So if there's any confusion on that, it's not the church. The reason why I say that is because a lot of people say that it is the church. You'll hear this number thrown out uh, quite a bit. Um, our you know, Jehovah's Witnesses like to think that they're the 144,000. They're not. Um, they're not. They actually have to readjust some of their theology on that because are you telling me only 144,000 of you guys go to heaven and the rest of you are annihilated? And they're like, hmm, let's, let's rethink that. Like, how do you calculate those numbers then? Um, so they're not them. The Mormons are not the 144,000. Um, Church of Christ is not the 144,000. Uh, the 144,000 are the Jews that will be getting saved during this time period. So um, with that said, we get to see kind of as the tribulation is playing out, this, uh, this, this tremendous event uh, that's, that's just unheard of. It, it, where we're at in history up until this day, up until this moment when this thing will, be, will come to pass, we haven't witnessed anything like this, revival-wise. Nothing, nothing like this. So this is a really sweet little window into the tribulation time period where the gospel goes out and, uh, and people end up getting saved, which is pretty cool. So let's, let's start in verse 1. It says, then I saw four angels. This is John. I'm talking about what he's seeing. Remember, everything in Revelation is the things that he is seeing, Okay. 
I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Oh, there you go, flat earthers. There you go. Proof is right there. See, if it was round, it wouldn't have corners. We hopefully understand that this is kind of a figurative type deal, okay? The, the earth is spherical. I hope you know that. Um, I hope you know it's not flat. But regardless, at the four corners of the earth, um, holding back the four winds so they, did not, so they did not blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree. So wind is always a, a, a representation of judgment, okay? So what's, what's happening here is judgment is being held off for a moment. Well, why? Well, so that God could seal his, his elect ones, okay? It says, it says, I saw another angel, verse 2, coming up from the east, carrying the seal of, a li- of the living God, not a living God, the living God, coming up from the east. Any, anytime that's a reference of coming up from the east, and you think about the east gate, which is called the beautiful gate, it's always a symbolic of hope. It's hope. So this angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God, and he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until I have placed or we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Okay? So he's going to mark them all. He got 144,000 Jews. Essentially what's happening here is this is when the light comes on uh, within the Jewish nation. 144,000, is that an exact number? Like only 144,000 of these people get saved? I don't think it's talking about an exact number. Um, If it is talking about an exact number, I believe it's talking about 144,000 greatest evangelists the the world has ever known. That doesn't mean that that's, that's the only amount of Jews that get saved. I don't believe it's talking about that at all. These 144,000 are going to be used tremendously by God in the absolute uh, end of it all. So he's going to mark them on their heads. He's going to, almost like a cow, kind of, you know, cattle, all that concept. You guys know that, how that works. You take a brand, psh, you, steal, you seal them, right? They're yours. Um, you, if you're a believer, this has already happened to you. It's already happened. You have the seal of God right on your head. You just can't see it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, I believe it is, talks about how you've been sealed by God with the Holy Spirit. Uh, chapter 4, I don't know the verse, same book, Ephesians, again talks about the fact that you have been sealed by God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, meaning you belong to Him. You are His. So He's going to, he's going to seal these guys on their foreheads, okay? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of craziness, the world is coming to an end, and God is, is signifying that he's, he's got a plan for these 144,000 individuals. Verse 4, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. So here's the tribes, at least the ones that are listed. From Judah, 12,000. Reuben, 12,000. From Gad, 12,000. Asher, 12,000, Naphtali, 12,000, Manasseh, 12,000, Simeon, 12,000, Levi, 12,000, Issachar, 12,000, Zebulun, 12,000, from Joseph, 12,000, and from Benjamin, 12,000. And you're like, wait a minute, that list sounds different than all the other 12 that I've, the other 12, list of 12 I've heard before. 
Um, yeah, there's, there's uh, a couple that are not on this list. Um, and so that's, the question comes up of like, well, where's Dan? Where's the tribe of Dan? Because he's like one of like the 12 brothers. So why isn't he on this list? That's a good question that I don't really know the exact answer for, but I have a kind of an idea. And it could be because Dan was, well, Dan was a horrible tribe. Okay, let's just, if you read the Old Testament, especially coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land, Dan had an issue with idolatry. Okay, Dan had an issue with even just taking up occupancy within the promised land. Um, Dan had a problem with leading his brothers into idolatry as well. That could be why Dan is not on this list. Now, it doesn't mean that God is done with the tribe of Dan, okay? It doesn't mean that at all. Because if you look in, um, oh, I had the reference earlier, but it's Ezekiel, I believe, in chapter 40, maybe 41. Um, when it talks about the, you know, everything, new heaven, new earth, and, and these tribes and all this, Dan is at the front of the list. He's at the front of the list. Um, some people think Dan is left off of this because there's a thought that the Antichrist actually comes out of the tribe of Dan. So maybe that's why he's left off. Um, there's, there's a lot of theories that are out there. Um, I, 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 I don't know. It's hard to say dogmatically of, because the, the word doesn't specifically say Dan is not included. Oh, by the way, Dan's not on this list because of this, right? And until the word says that, you just kind of have to keep those these issues with an open hand. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just, maybe he was excluded from this. He's not the only one that was excluded from this. Um, you, you note that Manasseh is included. He's one of the sons of Joseph. Uh, but Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And on some listings of the 12 tribes, they, it's Ephraim and Manasseh that is listed, and Joseph is not listed. So why did they list Joseph and Manasseh, but not Ephraim? Could be because Manasseh maybe is a bigger tribe. I don't know. It's one of, the, it's one of these. And I'm comfortable with these issues because, uh, you know, you don't have to know everything. And you're not gonna, we're not going to understand all of this stuff uh, until, well, you get to heaven. And then maybe as you're watching some of this stuff unfold, because we believe the church will be raptured up before any of this stuff, uh, then a lot of these open-handed issues become closed-fisted issues because you know exactly why. You're like, oh, Dan's not there. That's why. Oh, okay. Um, right now, we just, we don't know. And it's not anything for us to get hung up on. We can't, you can't like, I don't want you to go home defeated because I didn't answer your question about the tribe of Dan, okay? You probably didn't even have that question when you showed up tonight. Um, I'm sure you probably did not have that. You probably were not waiting all day long to see, like, what is Pastor James going to talk? What is he going to say about Dan? Nothing, because he doesn't know. He has no clue. Um, he's just not on this list. The point of this list is this. God is going to use 144,000 individuals from the tribes of Israel because he's not done with Israel. There's this notion out there that the church has somehow replaced Israel, and that's not true. That's not true. Um, the church is not, we're not into replacement theology, meaning this. We don't believe that God has thrown away the nation of Israel, and now all, you know, the church has taken her place and all that good stuff. If you read Romans chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, uh, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is very clear on the fact that God is not done with Israel. 
He's not. He's not done with them in the least bit. And seeing this, that's how we know. We can, have, we can go into chapters like this with confidence, um, understanding like this is talking about Israel and the light's going to go on for these guys and they will recognize the fact that the Messiah had already come. He was already here. His name is Jesus. We missed him when he showed up. We're not going to miss him the second time. So Lord, we're all yours. Put your seal upon us and set us loose on this planet. Because they're going to become the greatest evangelical kind of team this planet has ever known or experienced. But there's your, there's your 144,000. It's, it's these guys, all from the tribes of Israel. Again, they're not, none of the, these guys aren't, they're, they're, not our, they're, not, they're not the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not the Mormons, they're not the Church of Christ, they are the Jews, the Jews, Okay. He transitions from that into back into the heavenly scene, like what's going on? Because we, ha- we haven't really left there. John's still there, it's even as he's seen all this stuff happen, but something fascinating takes place. It, it kind of, it, it's another, you know, kind of a, a bridge, so to speak, from this chapter to chapter six with when we were talking about martyrs. Verse nine, it says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language Okay, that pretty, inclu- I mean, that pretty much sums up everything, right? Everybody, you know, whoever has surrendered their life to Jesus. Now, of course, these are people who are getting saved during the tribulation, um, but the gospel is not exclusive in the sense of it. It can only be received by people of, you know, this country, of this, you know, financial bracket and all that stuff. The gospel is for everybody. Gospel is for everybody. Nobody's excluded from this free gift from Jesus, uh, and it says a vast crowd. Uh, in fact, it's a crowd that you can't, even, you can't even number, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. And again, we've, we've already heard this stated before. We've already heard this when we, we checked out the heavenly scene and before this group shows up. So what, we know, what, we, what we've noticed throughout the book of Revelation is throughout time, the gospel has been going out. It hasn't gone out to everyone just yet. So, we under, so as far as we understand, but the gospel has been doing a work in all types of people throughout all history, all history. And what's amazing about this, and, and even in our human efforts, and, and, and there are a lot of groups that are out there doing some tremendous things, um, you know, as far as like... Uh, of missions organizations and trying to get out there to these remote places where individuals may not have access to the Word of God, and, and they want to they share the gospel with them or with uh, uh, Wycliffe uh, Bible translators. They got their Vision 2025 plan, okay? Um, back before 2000, they understood that at the rate they were going with Bible translation, it would be 2150, I think, before every spoken language would have a Bible for their language. And they were not okay with that. So they said, we're going to speed up our process, and we hope that by 2025, which is only five years from now, four and a half technically, we will have addressed those other 2,000 languages that are spoken on this planet that haven't received a Bible yet in their own native tongue. 
that's crazy. That's like goosebump crazy because that's what I got going on right now because what we understand is that the word gets out there. The gospel preached to every man, woman, and child. Um, once the word has gotten out there, that's, that's a good signal that, well, especially for the church, time's done. So what does that mean? 2025, rapture time? I don't know. I hope not. I hope it's like tomorrow. I mean, today it would be sweet. Even if it came tomorrow, I'd be pretty cool with that too. Um, but that's, what an ambitious goal. 2025, there are 2,000 known languages that have not received the Bible in their dialect. And so Wycliffe, um, those guys have been on it and they're like, we're going to we're going to be part of, the pro- or part of the solution, not part of the problem. We're going to address that. And so they've been working hard to try to get um, at least some form of the, you know, the gospel to, to a certain extent uh, out there to all these, to these languages. Um, it's a cool thing. That's their vision. So over time, and you've got tremendous human efforts going on like that. Um, but you know what? Uh, the gospel is just, I mean, the Lord knows how to do, he knows how to reach people. He doesn't even need us to reach people. That's just what's so crazy about this thing. Um, you can, you know, you can be on a remote island or in a jungle somewhere and, and don't even know that other people exist on this planet or don't even know what is even real, you know, beyond your experience, you know, uh, of where geographically you're located, and God can show up and he can meet with you right there. He doesn't need missionaries. He doesn't need Bible translators. He uses missionaries. He uses Bible translators. He does all that stuff because he includes us in on the mission. But he can show up, just like he's been doing in the Middle East, into people's bedrooms and say, hey, I'm the real deal. Because that's what he's been doing in the Middle East for Muslims. He just shows up in their bedroom and says, hey, uh, I know you respect me as a prophet and a teacher, but let me tell you, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior of the world. And so you've had a tremendous revival breakout in the Middle East, because even though we can't go to some of those places, Jesus can go anywhere he wants, any way he wants, any how he wants, in any form or fashion he wants. So a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. They're all standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. So the throne, which is, you know, there, there's God Almighty, and then there's the Lamb, and that's Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb that was slain. They're standing before them. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Uh, it's emblematic of, or symbolic of uh, triumph, the palm branch. Victory. They're victorious. And they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Now remember, if Jesus is not God, this is idolatry. This is blasphemy. Because this group, as John, and John knows Jesus, and John knows God, and John is standing in heaven, and he's watching all this play out, and these people are worshiping God and worshiping Jesus as if they are one and the same, because they are one and the same. 
says, and all the angels were around, standing around the throne and, ar- and around the elders and the four living beings, and those are the ones who are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. And they sang, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever, Amen. This all kind of sounds somewhat repetitive, right? If you're thinking about it, you're like, it seems like we've heard these same songs before. And it's like, yeah, they keep singing these songs. And they're all in unison. They all say the same thing, that God is worthy of all of these things. He's worthy of thanksgiving. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory and wisdom and power and strength. This is what one of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white? And where did they come from? And it said to him, sir, uh, you are the one who knows. He's like, um, why are you asking me? <laughs> I would be saying the same thing. I'd be like, dude, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? You're one of the 24 elders. I don't even know who you are, but I'm sure you know, right? Who are these ones? What's, what's sig- significant about this is John understands that, well, these guys aren't part of the church because he would probably recognize some of them. Nor are they part of like the Old Testament prophets, because he would have recognized some of those guys, because we know that he's already recognized Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is a whole new group. And this is why we, we understand that these guys are they're individuals who get saved during the tribulation time. So the elder's like, hey, who are these guys? Um, who are they clothed in white? Where did they come from? Sir, I, you're the one who knows. Then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. Well, that's an interesting concept. How does blood make anything white? I got blood on me right now. Blood doesn't make anything white, right? Like it stains everything. Oh, but not the blood of Jesus. Not the blood of Jesus. Uh, the greatest stain fighter known to mankind, right, is the blood of Jesus. You got a little stain in your life, just squirt some, you know, get some of that on you and uh, cleans you right up. Um, it's amazing. But that's who they are, the ones who've died during the tribulation. To follow Jesus has cost these guys their lives during the tribulation. Because during the tribulation, uh, in order, you know, if you are going to be a, a Christ follower, you're going to follow Jesus, it will absolutely cost you your life. Absolutely. And we say, well, how could that be? Um, it doesn't seem like we're too far away from that kind of mentality right now. Because to, we live in a world that we don't do real well with disagreeing with each other. Like, we just don't know how to handle that anymore. Like, nobody can have two opposing views anymore. Because if you don't agree with me, well, then I just hate you. And if I don't agree with you, well, then you just hate me. And it's like, that's, where's logic? Where's reasoning? Where's just conversation? Where's understanding? Where's compassion? We are, it feels as though we're on this slippery slope. And you will get to a point, and we know this because the, the word is true, but you will get to a point where um, the, the, man, the biggest problem for this world, as far as they're concerned, has always been Christians. It's always been the church. It always has been. And it, whatever we're fighting now, let me, just let me... Um, 
bring some clarity to our hearts and our minds. Um, people are not the enemy. People have never been the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. You've just been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Calvary Galveston is a church dedicated to speaking the name of Jesus into every life that tunes into this broadcast. The verse-by-verse teaching of Revelation comes to you from Pastor James Grizzle out of Galveston, Texas. If you're not in the area to spend time with us on Sunday mornings or on Thursday evenings, would you go to breadforthebroken.com to live stream our service? We promise that your faith will grow. While you're there, and if the Lord leads you to do so, there's a specific spot for donations of any size. We'd be grateful not only for this consideration, but also for your prayers. This is a powerful way to be connected with the ministry and to share Jesus with others. We want them to experience hope and new life in Jesus. You can get more information about that at breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful that you took the time to be with us, and we trust that you'll come back again to hear more truth. In the meantime, though, would you email us with what's happening in your life, being sure to include any questions or comments about today's message. We seek to serve you better, and this helps us to do so. Just visit breadforthebroken.com. Once there, there's a contact tab at the top of the page that can get you started. We look forward to hearing more biblical teaching from Pastor James, and we hope that you're on the same page, so join us again. Well, we're out of time for today, and until next time, this has been Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.